Transformation is such um, an important subject. It's actually become number one in our four main themes for our, our territorial strategy at the moment called TIDE, which we've actually spoken about uh, uh, before this Sunday. But let me remind you of those four themes again. The first T in TIDE is transformation. And we meet um, on occasions like this as salvationists and adherents and as friends of the Salvation Army, um, but more importantly, as Christians who are transformed people. That's one of the reasons we meet. We meet to celebrate all that the love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus has done within our lives. And for anyone here this morning who has not accepted Jesus as Lord, or anyone who's listening to a recording of this message, who've yet to, 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 to put their trust and belief in Jesus, then the invitation is always given for you too to become transformed by allowing Jesus to become the Lord of your life. Many of us are also active members of the Salvation Army because we want to see others transformed. And as I say, we'll be particularly thinking about this next week. You know, the Salvation Army has for 150 years been in the transforming business, wanting to transform the physical, mental and spiritual lives of those who come under our ministry. The I is for integration, to ensure that all that we do is done in an integrated way. We have so much diversity within the Salvation Army. We have so much diversity within our core here at the Regent's Hall, our core work, our community work, uh, our number 10 drop-in and so on and so forth. But we need to ensure that it's all integrated. It's all the Lord's work. We need to support each other. It's all ministry and mission. It's all important. And every person, every section of our core and community work are together uh, uplifting Christ's name here in the West End of London. We need to be integrated and together in all this. And maybe we need to work even harder at that. The D is for discipleship. When we Follow Jesus, we should always be dedicated and disciplined and learning and encouraged to grow more and more like Jesus. As John Gowans penned those words, to be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. The best way of making disciples is for us to model discipleship as perfectly as possible. And finally, the E is for effectiveness, because we want all that we do to be effective for the kingdom, not just to do things out of tradition or out of expectation, but sometimes we like our founders to, to, to look for innovative ways and creative ways in which we can meet the needs of uh, people who live and work uh, and, and, and are seeking uh, some kind of faith in 2015 and beyond. So we need to ensure that we are relevant and we are efficient and we are effective in all that we do. And so this morning and next Sunday morning we're going to look at the first of these four main territorial themes. Transformation. I've called this message Transformers. And I, and I guess anyone here is of a certain age or if you're a parent of a certain age, Transformers will immediately take you back to those well-known toys. Remember them, the Transformers? There's a picture of them on the screen. Mark shaking his head. Did anybody remember Transformers toys? Oh, yeah, you see. Uh, Julian has obviously been there, done that. Uh, Transformers, they came out, I, I looked up, they came out in 1984. 
They were, they were actually invented by a Japanese company, but the good old Americans uh, got hold of the idea, and Hasbro, a, a USA company, uh, marketed them and produced them, and they became, they became the, the wanted Christmas presents, particularly for boys uh, of that age. And basically, what it was a simple but clever idea, where one toy became two. You bought what was thought was a car, and you could sort of wriggle it around, sort of a bit like a Rubik cube, and suddenly, you know, you had this big sort of terrifying monster to to play with as well. And then you could wiggle it around; it becomes a car again. So it's quite sort of ingenious. But these transformers that could be one toy but transformed into two, and it was great for parents, wasn't it? You could buy a kid one present, you bought them two. Oh, I'll have to bring that back sometime. So transformers. You know, I mean, these Americans were very clever in marketing this wonderful toy back in 1984. But, you know, Jesus has been in the transforming business for 2,000 years. Jesus has himself, uh, of course, is a transformed person. I want to start with Jesus uh, this morning. And can I ask you to look at these, these words from Philippians chapter 2 that Paul wrote? And uh, it's a wonderful hymn, in a sense, within Uh, within this chapter and Paul writes this who of course speaking about Jesus who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God to be something something to be used to his own advantage rather he Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness so Jesus was transformed. Jesus was with God in heaven from, from the beginning of time, we're told in, in John 1. And from the very beginning, the word of God, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. So God was transformed, or the word we use during Advent, he was incarnated. The word became flesh, God became a human and was transformed, incarnated, to be one of us. And in the same way that uh, the, the car you saw on the screen is, is still there when you, when you make that robot. Um, God is still there in Jesus. Even though he'd been transformed into a human, Jesus was both at the same time, man and God. Notice how Paul writes about this transformation within this text, and I've highlighted a few words there. Because Jesus, from the very beginning of time, had equal status with God. His very nature is God. He was, he always will be God. He is and always will be the second person of the Trinity. But he took on, he adopted, he he became the very nature of a servant, of a very man, a very human. He took upon he took sin upon himself, as we read in that Bible reading a few moments ago. Jesus didn't dress up, he didn't put on a guise, he didn't put on a, on a mask, but his very self, his very nature was transformed, God to man, and yet he remained God. Of course, if you're a salvationist, if you become a salvation army soldier, you know this, because when you signed your Articles of War, you, be, you said you believed in the 11 doctrines of the Salvation Army. And coming in at number four in our doctrines is this one. We believe that in the person of Jesus Christ, the divine and human natures are united so that he is truly and properly God and truly and properly man. So Jesus was a transformer himself, himself, and and believe it or not, in only four weeks' time, it's going to be Advent Sunday, 
Uh, I noticed part of Oxford Street's closed this morning for them to put up the Christmas tree lights. And believe it or not, friends, Christmas is on its way. But when Advent comes, we will be celebrating this transformation, this incarnation act, when God became man and became one with us. God, so loving the world, that he gave himself, he gave his very nature and transformed into a man, his son, so that whoever believes in the God-man shall not perish, but will inherit eternal life. We get um, an insight in scriptures, in the Gospels, into this transforming act um, on the Mount of Transfiguration. When uh, Jesus uh, takes up into a high mountain, Peter, James and John, and whilst they were there, the whole appearance of Jesus was transfigured or transformed, the same root word. We read, uh, the Gospel writer says, Matthew 17, says that Jesus' face shone like a sun. Okay? This is Jesus who became a man, but on this mountain, the face of Jesus suddenly shone like a sun and his clothes became as white as light. And just to accentuate this divinity moment, um, Jesus suddenly seen talking with Moses and Elijah. And then God joins in on the act. A cloud appears and out of this cloud are the words of God. This is my son whom I loved. With him I am pleased. Listen to him. I wonder what Peter, James and John thought of that experience. Either, either were with Jesus, Galilean fishermen and just ordinary people with Jesus, walking around with Jesus, uh, sleeping with Jesus, eating with Jesus, being with Jesus the man and suddenly they go up a mountain and they have an insight. Suddenly this transformation takes place and suddenly they get this insight into Jesus who is all, all, also truly and properly God. But this, of course, was only the start of God's transforming act. God transformed his son to be one with us, but we need to ask the question, why? Why did God do that? The answer is so that Jesus can bring the good news, the gospel, that we also can be transformed. We also can be transformers ourselves. We also can be transformed from the human nature being the sinful people that human-wise we are, to actually having the very nature of God within us. And that's mind-boggling, isn't it? I know we've grown up with all this theology, many of us for many years, but just the very thought that we as human beings can also have the very nature of God within us, that we can be transformed. How can John Gowans possibly say to be like Jesus? This hope possesses me. How can anyone of us here this morning actually even attempt, even dream to be like Jesus? And yet scripture says we can. So not only was Jesus transformed, but the glorious truth of the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus transforms lives. That Jesus actually can do this work of transformation with you and me. And I hope I've got your attention now. Because it's a mind boggling thought, isn't it? That each one of us who has the nature of mankind, each one of us who has the seed of Adam within us, who have been separated by God because of that thing called sin, even us who have the very nature of sin, have the very nature of wanting to be disobedient to God, 
us who have this selfishness, us who have this I'm going to look after number one attitude, we who have all this within us can actually also have God within us, can actually be counterculture, can actually be counter nature. We can be like God as well as like who we feel we ought to be, the man, the woman that we are. The Bible says that actually we're made in the image of God. We could use the word nature there. We are made in the nature of God. How does that look? How does that feel? That Graham being a man who has all the the, the sinful nature, all, all, all the human temptations, has all the sinfulness, has all the faults, all the failings. How is it possible that the Bible can tell me that I have been created in the nature of God? The Apostle Paul writes about his struggles. So I'm not the first one to have struggle, and you're not the first person to have struggles. Paul writes about his struggles in Romans chapter 7. It's actually worth reading that old chapter. You can just sort of mentally take a note of it just now. Read it sometime. Romans chapter 7, and compare your struggles with Paul. But, but within this chapter, Paul is really saying, you know, he has all this struggle within him to do wrong, and yet he also has the spirit of Jesus in him. He needs to do right. And you see this struggle, this wrestling, then the spirit of Paul going on. Here's just a snippet for you to give you a flavour. So, says Paul, I find this law at work within me. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Here's Paul. You can actually feel for him, can't you? As he struggles with this being a human person, but also having the spirit of God within him as well. And all who are Christians will experience these struggles. I want to say that to you this morning. I hope it's some encouragement to you this morning. That when you have struggles, when you feel... Actually, I feel anything but a Christian. When you have, you know, anything but Christian thoughts, when you do things, you think, why have I just done that as a Christian? I want you to know that we're all there. You know, we're all have those struggles. It, it, we all have that opportunity to be good and the opportunity to be bad. But Jesus, and this is the encouragement, Jesus came to bring the good news that that seed of Adam need not win. Satan hasn't had the last say. That's the great good news about the gospel, isn't it? That whatever Satan has said, he hasn't had the last say. And it is possible to live like Jesus. The image on the screen that you're seeing at the moment is actually quite a helpful one. Because what the Bible tells us is the very power that created the world is the same power that can create a new me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that can be at work within us. Isn't that amazing? Because when we think about what, we, what we're thinking of this morning, we, we tend to think about what we can do, about you know, what is possible for us, you know, what, what is in our own strength, in our own wisdom, and have we got enough of this, that, and the other. But actually, the Bible says, is the answer is it's outside of ourselves. It's about God being within us and transforming us from inside out. 
And here's a vis- visible reminder that our transformation as Christians doesn't come from any efforts of us, but it's actually an attempt by God to transform our lives. It is only possible to live a transformed life when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We shall become witnesses, but not until the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And this picture is helpful because it is only the power that created the world that can create Christians. It is only the power of God that can create and transform. Let's look in scripture to see this transforming power that God wants us to have. I just want to leave you this morning with a few final verses so we can understand that we can not only live for Jesus, but we can live like Jesus too. And let's start off by looking at this very well-known verse that we had in our Bible reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It's a very popular verse. It's often recited. Um, You see, back in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 1, we have the first creation story, when out of nothing, the Spirit hovered on the waters, and out of nothing, God created everything, including, of course, creating ourselves in his own image. But then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, in a sense, we have the second creation story, that, that anyone, that anyone, everyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation, has become a new person. The old life, the old creation, the old nature has gone and the new nature, the new life has begun. It's a new creation, it's a transformation. Or to use the terminology we were using earlier, um, the the nature that, that should be ours as human beings has been replaced by the nature of the Holy Spirit, by the very nature of God. The promise for a Christian is that they can receive the power and the energy to live by a new nature, by living by a new law, by living by a new order, and that's God's nature. We don't have to be controlled and live by sin and the, the nature of sin. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, of course, saying, what, must I enter my mother's room for a second time? And Jesus said, no, you must be born again of the Spirit. You have been born as a human being, but you also need to be born with a new nature, with the Holy Spirit. You need to be born with this new order, living not under law, but living under grace. Not just trying to live in our own strength, but living in God's strength. A speaker at our councils uh, this year used a nice phrase which I I jotted down. God gives us the strength not to sin less, but to live sinless. That's a really good way of putting it, isn't it? Not for us to just think, well, being a Christian just means we sin less. But actually it's possible to live sinless. And here's another text. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's often where it starts, isn't it? Where does sin start? It starts when we think about it. It starts when Satan puts a thought in our mind. That, that always happens before anything that we say or may do. And Paul here says, do not be conformed to this pattern of this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
the mind is often the first place of attack. Remember Paul also in Ephesians chapter 6 when he talks about putting as soldiers, uh, putting on the whole armour of God. He starts by saying, put on the helmet of salvation. That's where sin starts. This transformation may be fast or it may be slow. It may happen instantaneously. It may take years, but it will happen. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. This work of transformation is a work of a moment, but it's a work of a lifetime. It's a work of a minute, but it's a work of hours and hours and days and years. It's God's wonderful work that he continually does within us, even till the end of time. If you think you're living a wonderful Christian life just now, hang on. You ain't seen nothing yet. God's still working in your life. God's still got lots of work to do in my life. God's still creating us and transforming us and still wanting us to be more and more like Jesus. In the third chapter of Philippians, Paul talks about his own experience of God in his life and testifies to the fact that he has experienced the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And he he admits that he's not obtained all that God has to offer yet, but he's still pressing on towards that goal. And the ultimate goal is the ultimate transformation that that we will all receive when we meet Jesus in heaven. And here's how Paul concludes his third chapter of Philippians. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his power will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Christians are living and working and hoping and believing and praying for our transformation to be complete. The great thing when when we gather for a funeral for a Christian person is that we celebrate the fact that their transformation has been complete. That even their bodies now have been transformed. And Christians are praying and hoping. And even as we sit here today, we are praying and believing and hoping that God will continue to transform and create something lovely in our lives. We know his work has begun within us, but we know God's got even more to do within us. And our desire and our prayer, I think, is articulated so well in Charles Wesley's hymn, Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee, changed, or if you like, transformed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise and that is the ultimate transformation when God transforms us into his likeness completely and fully so God loves us just as we are but God wants us to be more like his son Jesus said that the way to do that is to deny ourselves. Jesus said the way to do that is to take up our cross every day and follow him It's not an easy thing to deny ourselves. It's not an easy thing to put the human part of us to one side. In fact, it may go against every fibre of our being, but it is necessary for true sanctification to take place. Thankfully, God has given us everything we need 
to succeed. He has given us his word, he has given us his grace, he has given us his spirit. And as long as we allow God to work in us, we can be transformed into the people that God wants us to be. I pray that this morning we'll continue to keep ourselves open to the work that God wants to do in us and through us. Let's this morning ask God's help to mould us, to shape us. I just love that vision, don't you, in Jeremiah of the potter uh, with the clay. And we feel like that, don't we? That God is still moulding us and shaping us into the Graham, the Dawn, the Mark, the Allen, that he wants us all to be. God, continue your work of grace within us, dear Lord, to transform us, to shape us into the man, into the woman that God wants us to be. May the Lord minister to us this morning. May we open our lives so that we might be transformed from glory into glory, that we might be like Jesus. Let's pray for that, show. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for those who might just be struggling this morning. Let us ourselves bring our struggles like Paul has done. Let us bring our struggles, our temptations, our, our difficulties. Let's lay them at the feet of Jesus and allow him to work his ministry and to shape us and to mould us into his being this morning.